Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you were on a SEAL team, which, <laughs> no, which role no, would no. you have? Like, would you be like a sniper, scout? Do you have the heavy gun, explosives? The, what would be your I'm area the guy of expertise? Who comes into the barracks and says, SEAL Team Six, assemble. And they're like, thanks, radar. And then I go back to my office. That is definitely <laughs> my role. First of all, I have a much more critical role than Jeff for sure. Okay. I need someone to cook. I'm just there like, hey, fellas, don't, don't skip on the beans. You need a lot of protein. Like, eat up. Eat up. You're killing old Bin Laden tonight. You need fuel. <laughs> totally the cookie. That's perfect. 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. Electrocast Podcast Network, and we are back into our routine, going year by year, finding out which was the best album of a given year, and we are on to 2011. Quick note, that? quick note from the top before I turn it over to you, Jeff, or to you, Ben. We're releasing this in just 12 hours, so this is going to have to be one of them. Their uh, mistake-free recordings because it is tuesday night so ben hold off on all the fart jokes that you know you make me delete uh jeff hold off on the fart jokes my fart (laughs) jokes don't make it in they're gold baby we got i assume that was why people were tuning in (laughs) yeah you haven't heard they're all on the cutting roof floor uh so yeah this is going to be a mistake free podcast recording those of you listening at home if if you're having an asmr moment it's because ben is frantically eating a snack of some kind (laughs) i don't know what you're at that looks like one of your like dark 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 especially dark chocolate bars am i right indeed yeah and the chewing i'm I'm a very quiet chewer also you barely chew your snacks (laughs) i actually it was so funny i stopped and got um snacks with the kids the other night and i got a uh the haagen-dazs ice cream bar and uh, they know that I like them. And they're like, Why? how can you like them? I was like, well, you know, actually, Ben is the one who introduced oh. me to them. I'd never had one before. Ben was like, oh, you got to try this. And Ben's done while I'm unwrapping it. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> no, for sure. Just inhale and that. the haagen ice cream bar. Like, like, hum, hum. It looks like the Tootsie Roll Owl. One, uh. two, three. <laughs> a three. It's, I, it's amazing. And he eats a bar of chocolate pretty similarly. Like, you yeah, know, as long as we're, we're on a music podcast, the Noisy Eater by the Avalanches. I can strongly recommend. <laughs> okay. I said like a remix from this Australian DJ group. And I played it for the girls. And they were like, I was like, I love this song. And they were like, of course you do. You're the Noisy Eater. I was like, oh, oh I'm not. How, how dare, dare you? you? That's how not, it's you? not a song about me. <laughs> well, um, we have to start with some sad news on the podcast. We lost 
a member of the 50 Years of Music podcast crew. Jeff Simons, your music hard drive. Oh, here's I had catastrophic hard drive failure, Ben, on both the main and the backup. I lost all my playlists, all my ratings, all my lists. Like the last 20 years of research is up in smoke. So, Do you want me to send you the stuff that I have at least or no? I have the files. I have all the files, but I don't have them. And there's no organization. So they're, they're, they lost all their artwork. They lost all their, the, all the work I put uh, in, in the last two decades is up in smoke. So. Oh, dude, I'm super sorry to hear that. There's no way to fix it or get anybody to. No, no. I just, I spent about an hour looking into it and uh, they're like, well, as long as this thing didn't happen, you'll be fine. I'm like, <laughs> exactly the thing that happened. I'm like, well, if it doesn't happen to the backup and it's like, it happened to the backup. I'm like, well, <laughs> Welcome to iTunes is your future. Wow. No, no, Spotify, man. Come join me. I know. I know. Oh, man. Anywho, I'm, I'm a little bit in mourning, everybody. It's a, it's a, a lot of work gone. A lot of work. Gone to put. You know, it's all a stupid hobby, but like the reason I've been able to do this podcast with, with uh, minimal research is that stuff. And now I got Jack. So like, yeah. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like what happened in 2015? Is that when MC Hammer came out? Like I'm going to be helpless. <laughs> well, yeah, we only got a, what? Another 11 years to go. We're going to help you across the finish line. Let's get to the grand. Oh, I wanted to say, um, oh. did you guys get good feedback on the Mother's Day podcast? Because I got several nice, like Facebooky, Twittery, private messages, like oh, love cool. the Mother's Day episode, and uh, people were feeling feeling it. So that was oh, a nice cool. detour. Yeah, people had strong feelings. I can't believe Nina just shut off Mamma Mia. She just shut it down. She didn't finish. I tried to warn you, Timmy. When you <laughs> yeah. lose Nina, it's over for us. That's a you know bad what I mean? sign. That tells you the level of your egregiousness. OG, OG fan. Well, we're gonna maybe we should do this for Father's Day. As well, just do Father of Mine on a loop, and that's it. Exactly. <laughs> <Done. laughs> um, Hello, Dad. I'm in jail. If I was not was, that'll be mine. <laughs> um, 2011. We're gonna go right to the Grammy winner. Jeff Simons, any guesses? 2011? No, I have no guesses. T ben will know. No, I have no idea. It is Adele, 21. Nice. Grammy for 2011. Jeff Simons, which song do you want to play? Also, also the number one record, right? I was saving that, but yes. Well, why were you saving it? I save things. Listen, don't mess with the host, Jeff. He's meeting these things out. We're like little angry squirrels. You just got to give us one nut at a time. I think Rolling in the Deep, we've already talked about it on the podcast. Rolling in the Deep is one of the one of the greatest songs ever. So All right, hit it. What do you like? No, let's do that. But we already did it. Let's let's go. Ben, is this a record you know well enough to recommend a deep cut? Sadly, not off the top of my head. Okay. How about Turning Tables? That's the other big, huge one from this one, right? Okay. I'm going to do a little bit of that one. It's the Grammy winner. It's the number one album. 21 by Adele. Close enough to start a war. All that I have is on the floor. God only knows what we're fighting for All the 
Never find someone like you. Yeah, that was a big hit too, I think. I I had that song, I have Rolling in the Deep, and I have Don't You Remember as the three songs I played most off this record. There you go. Who, uh, so Jeff Simons, is she writing her own songs at this point? I actually don't know. I do feel like there's no way she doesn't have some kind of say in the sound of the record because it's so consistent. And uh, um, I'm just really struck like, that I don't like a lot of modern pop music. Um, and uh, what does Montgomery Burns say? I don't know what I, I don't know art, but I know what I hate. And I don't hate this. Like I really, every time Adele comes on, I'm like, I like everything about that. I like the sound, I like the performance. It's it's soulful without being over the top. Um, the piano playing is restrained. It's not too noodly. Like, I think she makes good records. I'm, I mean, I, I got, I got, I got nothing to say, but, uh, and it's not always my cup of tea. And, and I always think there's two or three too many ballads. They're all too slow for me, but they're all good. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I enjoy her. Well, I love- she is the primary songwriter on all of the albums. There you wow. go. It's like the occasional thing where she writes to somebody else or does a cover, but it's mostly her, her work. Um, that my favorite thing about Adele is how weird she is. Yes. She sounds like nothing else on the radio and she's massively popular. It's inexplicable. I don't understand <laughs> why. Um, and I mean, Celine Dion doesn't sound like anything else on the radio, but she's horrible. And, and Adele is actually is actually really, really quite lovely. Um, and each record is really good. Each record, I also really like that the records are weird. Like her most yeah. recent record has a bunch of mumbling by her child on it. Oh. Like, and it actually like borders onto being a little bit upsetting. She's like, mommy drinks wine. And then the kid's <laughs> mumbling. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I, I remember like, you know, there is something to be said for um every once in a while something weird and authentic punches through and it's yes, so totally. sweet when it does you no, know dude it, seriously it like it restores your faith in humanity yeah i mean it felt that way about uh, rushmore that i mean, remember going to see rushmore at the movies and being like oh i'm gonna be okay for another five or ten years yeah oh yeah no and this, this is a little more me. controversial but I, I i connect adele really closely to jk rowling for whatever reason, I consider oh, them to be like kindred souls, like huh. where J.K. Rowling was just like, you know, writing, writing, away, you know, squirreling away, just writing, 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 writing in some little weird coffee shop, like on the dole, literally, and then managed to break through just through her sheer artistry. Love it. And I also love that Adele does a great job, at least of pretending in public that she doesn't take herself that seriously. I mean, she's a really engaging, likable public figure. In oh, what for sure. Life. She really is. And well, I've repped it before, but I'll rep it one more time. Michael Kiwanuka, her guitarist, his solo work is all yeah. Right. Okay. He kicks ass. All right. So it is 2011. Uh, let's get you in the uh, 2011 mindset. Some things that were going on. Um, in Egypt, Mubarak steps down. and There's a military takeover after uprisings in the streets. You have... Um, Gabrielle Giffords was shot in um, in Arizona. Six people died uh, in that shooting. Actually, one of my former students was there. Oh, God. On. Yeah. Oh, that's horrifying. Uh, the war in Libya breaks out. I've got a, um, I've got kind of a strange question for you all to figure out. I'm going to name three different scenarios 
and you're going to rank them in the order of their duration, the longest to the shortest. Are you ready? Wait, just give everybody a second to insert their own internal joke into this open space. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, everybody, Remember, Tim's we are, we are, <laughs> we're not cutting a thing. We're going live, Bill O'Reilly-like. Um, all right, so here's one thing. Kim Kardashian and Chris Humphreys were married in 2011. Think about the duration of that uh, marriage. Uh, Amanda Knox is freed from an Italian jail in 2011. How long was she in jail? And from the moment Charlie Sheen goes into rehab in January of 2011, how long until he is fired from two and a half men? So think of that duration. Which is the longest? Which is the shortest? Let's have your thoughts. All right. You want to go first, Tim? I mean, Ben, Tim knows him. <laughs> I will go first. And, it's hard to keep you guys. First of all, this is the year where Charlie Sheen did all the winning stuff. That happened yes. this year. Hashtag winning. Blood. This is Tiger Blood year? Yep. This is it. I still do the winning in my mind. I really, I, I haven't <laughs> been able to let go of it at all. So good. Um, the marriage is the longest. Okay. I disagree. Am I and wrong? Charlie Sheen is the second longest, and I don't remember the third one, but that's the longest. Amanda the Knox. Shortest. Amanda. Yeah, Knox. Amanda Knox. That's the shortest. I that's think shortest. Sheen's the shortest. The marriage is the middle, and Knox is in jail the longest. That is correct. Amanda Knox was in jail for four years. That's what Italy. I thought. Four years. Kim I Kardashian and Chris, hum Chris Humphrey's marriage lasted 72 days. Ooh. And, Golden. And 72 was, beautiful days, Tim. You didn't use the right words. <laughs> I know. It was meaningful for all. And uh, Charlie Sheen went from uh, January to March. March 7th, he was, uh, he was fired. Goodbye. Did they try to keep that show going without him? Did oh, they, they did. They oh, yeah, they did. Ashton Kutcher came in. Oh, yeah. my God. Now, raise your hand if you've never seen an episode of Two and a Half Men. Oh, I no, I've heard. seen one for sure. Oh, you yeah. have? Uh, First of all, I live in America. I'm a regular person. <laughs> there you so go. So I've watched several Here episodes. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go with the, with the America. Okay. The number I'm one not show allowed in America to... for like five years not... in a row. Yeah, you're not allowed to watch Two and a Half Men in Berkeley. They come and take your, uh, <laughs> they come and take your rabbit ears away. Oh, um, we don't have cable because that's just too close to the man. So, Ben, does this mean you've also watched How I Met Your Mother? Totally. Oh, I've watched that show. That show's pretty funny. Oh, is it? Okay. What about yeah. the one with the nerds? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've um, watched. I've watched multiple episodes of the guys. Big Bang Theory. I yeah. guess you're just. I have not watched Young Sheldon, but I will. Yeah. Um, that's no, on my I list. Not watched. Y'all are a little more sophisticated than I am. Um, uh, all right. In 2011, Osama bin Laden is killed by uh, SEAL Team Six, and and uh, did you guys see the movie Zero Dark Thirty? Oh, fantastic! Love fantastic that movie. film. Didn't like loved it, it. Loved it. So I started thinking. If you were on a SEAL team, which, <laughs> no, which role no, would no. you have? Like, would you be like a sniper, scout? Do you have the heavy gun, explosives? The, what would be your I'm area the guy of expertise? Who comes into the barracks and says, SEAL Team Six. 
assemble. And they're like, thanks, Radar. And then I go back to my office. That is definitely my role. First of all, I have a much more critical role than Jeff, for sure. Okay. I need someone to cook. I'm just there like, hey, fellas, don't, don't skip on the beans. You need a lot of protein. Like, eat up. Eat up. You're killing Bin Laden tonight. You need fuel. <laughs> totally the cookie. That's perfect. I was thinking I could be the guy on the helicopter who helps with the rappelling. You know, make sure that the ropes stay uh, out of the wheels. That kind yeah. of thing. I think I'd screw even that up. I'd, I'd have like, oh, all, yeah, no, I'd I mean, they sent you out front, man. You're the point man for this entire operation. I'm like, charge, they're all tangled up again. <laughs> all right. I am most likely to have to call somebody Sarge. <laughs> my role in the mission. Sounds like a good uh, time for an ad break. <laughs> and we're back. We don't have, um, the number one album to go to so that we're not going to have another piece of Adele's music, but we are going to um, celebrate an artist who debuted in 2011 and she did not debut in the normal way. Although maybe in 2022, this is the new normal. This is an artist who debuted on YouTube in 2011. Let's hear a little bit of Rebecca Black's Friday. How's it going so far with the no edits, guys? You enjoy it? It's hard to be perfect when you come out of the blue like this. I know. I'm going to cut it. Don't worry. No, don't cut it at all. This part's gold. All right, ready? Here we go. The anticipation. Did you experience this at the time, Timmy? I did, yeah. I have never heard that song before, but the Wikipedia oh. page is definitely worth reading. Oh, you do oh, my, You've never heard that? You've never seen the video? It you got to so watch the video, man. That's the difference between teaching law school and teaching high school, man. Yeah, this that is correct. was everywhere. It, oh was, it was a virus. That's hilarious. Very nice. <laughs> she so, um, so wonderfully stupid. Not, I mean, a, not a strong voice yet uh, no. when this is recorded. Not yet. Surely that will improve with time. You know, you know the story behind this, right? Like there are producers in LA who are like, I will take your talentless child and make a song out of nothing. Just bring, bring them in. They can write down anything they want. And so as a, like a lark, like Rebecca Black's parents, it was like one of those like sweet 16 birthday presents. They like hired a guy, like she wants to make a song in a video and the guy was like no problem whatsoever and she had those terrible lyrics and he's like Ugh. i'm all over it she she talked into a microphone he cut it up and auto-tuned it they built their video <laughs> and then boom 37 million views i mean it was it's she's not an artist at all she was like a kid who got a present and whoever the la guy was who put it together uh, wow just 
spun it into solid gold. I, I mean, I believe I believe it was viewed 160 million times. Yes, the Wikipedia page suggests the original music video was removed from YouTube on June 16th, 2011. So this is two months after it goes on. Um, because of legal disputes. By then, it had already amassed more than 167 million views. It's <laughs> an amazing joke. Well done, Timmy. So I, I, I'm i trying to figure out, I, I mean, I know you all have uh, artists that you don't like, and and um, I really want to get this guy on Twitter who hates the Eagles and, um, and thinks the Eagles destroyed rock. Um, but... But we can at that's, least that's me though. Isn't that just me? That, that, my hand there, there's another you out there. Okay, good. But at least we can all acknowledge that the Eagles are legitimate <laughs> musical artists. Uh, they just make art that we don't like. Absolutely. That's Where, just fun. Is this the biggest hit by a non-musical artist? Like, is this the no. biggest gimmick hit? No, I don't think so. No way. I would have to go with Maxwell's Somebody's Watching Me. Over that oh, one, you guys remember that dog. one where they got Michael Jackson to come in and go, I always feel like <laughs> I actually he, like that song. Yeah, but he's like a lot of big talent. When I get home at night, I mean, <laughs> I love that. You're anti that. <laughs> I'm pro that. People call me on the phone and say I'm paranoid. I mean, that is all, that's, that's awful. That might be the that might be the most like it's really bad. What am I doing here? Help, help, help! Performance I've ever heard on. So I have Millie Vanilli ahead of that. Yep. Okay. And then um, Tiny Tim, whatever oh. the Tiny Tim ukulele song was, yes. that was one that should never have been unleashed on the world. That's that's a good one too. And there are others like he was actually playing the ukulele, so that's got to give you something. I mean, uh, you can make a case for Nancy Sinatra's Boots is pretty bad. I mean, oh, I like that song. What? I mean, I like it too, but it's not good. I don't like it because <laughs> I'm like, here comes the good one. Like, it's like, it cracks me up. <laughs> it is her best song. Doesn't that make you feel <laughs> better? Right. Whatever, whatever else is on that record, I nominate over Rebecca Black's Friday. Um, any guesses as to what movie won the best picture in 2011? And I'm hoping both of you saw this. Because I think it has one of the, the the best openings in terms of dialogue of any movie in the last 25 years. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, is it the social network? It is the social network. That was a damn good. Dude, movie. that first because that first five minutes is Kills electric. Kills uh, electric. You're right. That's great. Super, the... super, super inauthentic and not right. Like apparently they took a lot of liberties. But that being said, I thought it captured the mood of it. And I mean, it's for a Fincher movie, oh, so good. We teach that in Images of the Law, and I love that movie. Images oh. of the Law? Yes. What is uh, that? It's basically, we have the students watch movies where there are lawyers in it, and then we go to a bar and talk about it, and then oh. they get credit. Like the that's like how we work it out. Legal Eagles, perhaps? We have not done Legal Eagles. That's oh, not made it. That has not risen up. You have Paul you. I love all the Tims are going to be like from 1978. Paul no, no, Newman, we do the verdict. verdict. The verdict is, it, the Legal Eagles is actually um, uh, Redford. Yeah, Robert Redford. Yeah. What, what about the one with uh, Judd um, from uh, Breakfast Club? What's his name? Judd Nelson. He's got a lawyer movie in the 80s. Listen, Timmy, you're hurting our feelings. You know what we do for the 80s is we do the the um the initial showing of the pilot episode for LA Law. Oh. It's gold. I used that this year. Um, I, you know, I teach this Los Angeles class, and this year I did a whole pastiche of like L, you know, LA in the 80s, and I showed the opening credits of LA Law. That's oh, great. Smart. 
was perfect. Like the, the trunk closing on the Mercedes with the totally and the keyboard blue. with the sax on top of it. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Well, speaking of LA, I will be going to LA this Monday. Uh, Helen and I are flying out to go see the Bob's Burger movie premiere. Fantastic. With, with future brother-in-law Eugene Merman. So excited. By the way, by the way <laughs> yes, listeners, poor Eugene is going to be hustled onto the show at least one more time. Yeah, at least. Because he's been married into the family. I know. Wait, wait till you see me uh, at the wedding reception, cozying up to all of his comedy friends. Hey. You guys heard of my podcast? Oh my god, that's yeah. gonna be really. That's gonna just be great. They're gonna have security removed. Hey, really but um, uh, Mark and Peter <coughs> from Electricast, our our little parent company for the podcast, um, are gonna are gonna meet up with me. We're gonna have uh, we're gonna hammer out the details in the next contract. That's what we're gonna do. Nice, and a little business. Is it still gonna include like the that. covers record? Because I've got I've got yeah. friends in places. Let's go. Uh, we're push probably that hard. Gonna... push my agenda hard, Jimmy. We're it's probably just gonna have a drink, but very important to me that I benefit for no reason from your readings. <laughs> All right, <laughs> well, let's get to our three albums. Our three albums, no idea who goes first with this uh break that we've had. No idea. I'll go first, do it. Yeah, Jeff. That we're we're approaching a series of like Jeff uh, is desperate to shine lights on little bands. So uh, I'm gonna I uh, I got away from that a little bit, but I'm getting back, back to it this time. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about band names. I always um, I remember having a conversation in high school with uh, the guys in the band that I was in, and we had a we accidentally had a bad band name. Like we called ourselves SFX because we saw it spray painted on a, you know, something at a movie theater. And we were like, okay, that's kind of cool. But it's hard to say. And it looks like sex. And there was nothing sexy about the members of SFX. I mean, I guess maybe D a little bit, but certainly not me at, at 16 years old. Excellent, excellent. We were looking for a new name and we kept coming up with really funny other names. And one of the guys in the band was like, you can't name your band something that you can't imagine headlining Madison Square Garden. Which tells you something about the uh, ambitions, I guess, of some members of SFX. But I've always wondered about that. Like there are really great, funny band names out there. But the funny band name, if you stick around for a really long time, ends up being a little bit of an albatross, I think. Like you do want something that's, you know, I think even Pearl Jam probably feels like that's, you know, Oh, dude, I've heard them interviewed and saying that they wish they'd stayed with Mookie Blaylock. Yeah. That if only they had had better representation, they could have gotten in touch with Mookie Blaylock and kept that name. Yeah, that would have been pretty great. By the way, I'm seeing Pearl Jam Friday night. Nice. Yeah, pretty excited about it. They're supposed to be um, tearing it up on this tour. Reports are good. Three hour, three hour shows every night so far. I hope I don't get them the night when they're all tuckered out. But um, anyway, this band I'm going to uh, spend some time throwing some love at this week uh, has a funny name. And it's the thing that that made me want to listen to him in the first place. Uh, I was uh, this is still the era of going to record stores and going to Amoeba Music and um, seeing uh, an, a band called Blitz and Trapper. And I thought that meant that there was people in the Northwoods hunting Santa's reindeer, like trapping Blitzen. And it just made me giggle 
like out loud to myself in public, which is a good sign. Um, and it was their 2008 record, which is their second actual record uh, called Fur. I took it home. I thought it was great. And then they just put out a whole series of really good records in a row, four or five Blitz and Trapper records in a row. I can listen to Gate to Gate and Feel No Pain. 2011 is my favorite. This is uh, a record called American Goldwing. Um, Blitz and Trapper starts in Portland in 2000 as kind of a out there collective, like making little home mixtapes. Um, they make like five or six very weird EPs under another name, the name of, I can't remember, they were called something else, but they changed the name to Blitz and Trapper and it's not named after Trapping Santa's Reindeer, it's named after an eighth grade girlfriend who drew reindeers all over her Trapper Keeper, which is actually even better. That, adorable, adorable, adorable. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they got signed to um, one of the, it might be Kill Rockstar, but it's one of the Portland independent labels. Um, and they kind of find their sound. They're not a, they, there's a country quality to Blitz and Trapper sometimes. They got banjos in there occasionally, and he occasionally sings in a lilt, but they're a Northwest band. They're, um, when you understand that they're from Portland, they're the kind of American rock thing that they get going makes a little more sense. There's a lot of good songwriting in this band. There's a lot of um, just telling a really good story. The lyrics are really good over and over again. There's a lot of lovely song craft, great chords, great melodies, uh, simple but really memorable. There's a lot of tasteful arranging, like guys not overplaying. But then they also have this really kind of fun 70s album-oriented rock throwback stuff where they just... They, for a second, like maybe we want to be Bad Company or Alice Cooper or Fog Hat. And you throw that through an alt country Americana, tasteful Portlandia lens, and you get something pretty cool. Like I, I just, um, this is not a band that I remember playing this for uh, my friend Jams on the way to a show. And I was like, oh, this is a new band I really like. And, uh, and he listened to a minute. He was like, yeah, that sounds like a band. And he meant it kind of as an insult. He was like, this sounds like everything else. <laughs> and in and, and true James style, he sums up like what would take me a thousand words to say in four words. But that's what I like about it. It sounds like a rock band. They, um, and a good one, and a, a good one, a band that writes consistently good songs. If you dig into the lyrics, there are funny little stories. There are very touching moments. Um, this record is all about loss, but it's hidden behind a whole bunch of really catchy, tuneful songs. The song I'm gonna play is the weirdest song on the record. It's also by far and away my favorite. It's called Street Fighting Sun. And it shows you what Blitz and Trappers like live. This is a kick-ass live band. That's the other reason um, I'm a big fan. I got to see them uh, in a small club and uh, they can all play. They play with one another. They're paying a lot of attention. Uh, and you know, as Ben and I say over and over again, if a good band, turns out to be a great live band. It just elevates the record when you go back and listen to it. Live in concert, this is a big stretched out stomper, but it, I just thought this gives you like a pretty good sense of every side of this group. So here's a minute or so of a song called Street Fighting Sun from my favorite, or at least one of my favorite records from 2011, uh, Blitz and Trapper's American Goldwing. American Goldwing by Blitz and Trapper. <laughs>
And I just have to play another 30 seconds or something like this is on the same record. It, it, they're a band that's capable of like just really um, restrained balladry as well. Here's Girl in a Coat. One, two, three. I've traveled the world in the seven bright seas For the keys to these riddles you laid before me Been used and abused by these lesser deities For to ease my disease I'm on bended knee To my lonely lovely girl Good stuff. Yeah. Never heard of them. But... On the Bonnaroo in 2010. Okay. <laughs> uh, the very first thing I was going to say uh, before Jeff played the second one was that my my recollection of their material is that the, the song Jeff played first is is very hard on the rock side in comparison to their more the, the meat of it. The meat of it, I experienced them as kind of an alt country act. And that, so the second song you played is like, that's what their show was like. That's That's what I remember their records being like. I like them quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, it's really, I was going through their whole catalog this afternoon and uh, from 2008 to like 2014, like there's five or six toe tappers per record. All right. Least. It's a really, they really had a great run. They're still going. Uh, I didn't love the last record. I thought it was a little too experimental for me, but uh, I love that they're still going and uh, and they just, they just rolled through town and I, I missed it, but uh, they're, they're definitely an act to keep an eye on. They're an act that's earned my, I will listen to everything they do until they don't make records anymore, for sure. Uh, how many albums so far, Jeff? Quite a few, uh, almost maybe 10 at this point. What's, the, what's your cusp? And Ben, you can weigh in here. What's the line where experimentation goes too far? It's like, because you could argue right that Wilco began uh, when Nels Klein joined being more experimental. Uh, Radiohead, of course, got became more and more experimental. Like what what's your line where I like this, but I don't like this? How do you how do you define that or do you just hear it and then you know? A flute part. A flute part is a sure <laughs> sign that you've gone wrong. As soon as the flute shows up, I'm like, well, I'm out, fellas. Or not, not my experiment. Nope. I'm out. Perfect. There are 10 <laughs> Blizzard Trapper records. I can't believe I was right off the top of my head. That nice is, job. Uh, even even without your notes. Security number. Yeah. Even while I'm just now I'm on Spotify like a like a chump just going one, two. <laughs> Sad. But Jeff, what's an experimentation gone right? Where you're like, oh, I liked, I liked what they're doing here. It's weird, but. That's a good question. Like from a from a band that uh, like a band I like that did a crazy left turn and I was all in on it. Right. Well, Brady has a great one, right? Between the Benson yeah. and OK Computer, you were super into OK Computer. Yeah, no, I loved OK Computer. And I mean, even OK Computer to Kid A is such an insane turn of events. Radiohead's a great example. I'm yeah. just trying to think of another one like um, I mean, I to be honest, we're gonna have to have a podcast on this Wilco double country record that comes out. Like, 
I, is this, I just is this gonna work or is this just gonna be? I just heard the second song. Uh, I liked it better than the first song. So I am I, I'm buying low on this. I'm hedging. This is not gonna okay. be good. I'm just gonna okay. go ahead and say it right now. Not yeah. Well, you've be been. Good. I mean, you have been down on the Tweety solo stuff, and uh, and you and I both agree the last two Wilco records are are underwhelming. So. I either either this is going to be great because the songs are really great and they all play. I mean, I am very encouraged that this was recorded mostly live without Tweety giving them arrangements and that they uh, they used first and second takes for the most part. So they didn't overthink it. I think that could be that could keep it fresh. But we'll see. But that's a big day for us. Like, you know, (laughs) Wilco puts out a double. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. (laughs) That's in the wheelhouse of this podcast for sure. Yeah, right. all right, Ben, do you want to listen to Rebecca Black's experimental song, the second one? I think we're cool. fine. I think okay. we're good. We uh, what's your record. album for 2011? All right, so when I chose Exile on Main Street for the Rolling Stones, I described that as your last favorite Rolling Stones record because it's a double album and it's a little bit challenging. It does fewer hits, but that record is actually widely considered to be their greatest record by critics and other people the band i'm choosing this year this is actually my current favorite record by this band and it's not their best record and it's a different type of last favorite record here's what i mean by that there are some bands that you love so much that you eventually come around to what's one of their weaker records that you didn't listen to carefully and you just love this band so much that you wear out the weaker record to where you're like actually now that's now my favorite uh, people who listen through season one will know TV on the radio is my favorite band of this millennia. And Nine Types of Light comes out in 2011. And this is my current favorite TV on the radio record. It's the record that comes out directly after their bassist dies. Um, and so it's a mishmash of different things, but it has some beautiful, beautiful songs about life and reflecting on life. And I've already told the long version of the story of TV on the radio. So I'm going to tell uh, with, with uh, taking personal preference, I'm going to tell a personal anecdote. So India was up for her election in 2019. And it was a very good time. Everybody's working super hard, but it's a stressful time. Very scary. The week before her election, I went out for a long run. And one of the ways that I stayed sane, knocking on doors four hours a day, day after day after day with Indy Cannon, was I exercised a lot. And I was unyielding in my exercise schedule to the point where this run was in a downpour, like an actual downpour. So it's like late October in Tennessee, and I'm running out at Seven Islands, which is this beautiful bird sanctuary. And it, the skies open. I, I, I like I barely get out of my car. I start running, and the skies open. And I mean, it's not a regular rain. It's just like a sideways driving rain. I run all the way through it, like six miles. I come back. I'm so wet. I'm just completely drenched all the way through. And I was so exhilarated. And it was such a great metaphor for the the election, where I was like, you know, once you accept that you're going to get wet, it's fine. You know, <laughs> I, it wasn't freezing cold. And it actually wasn't, once you're completely soaked, it's not even that unpleasant. You're like, oh, it's still pretty out here. Look, I haven't been out here in this weather before. Yeah. The week after the election, I've got good news for you. India Cannon wins. That's what I'm talking about. Let's go. I go go out for a second run. 
Now this run is at the Icy King Park. And it's a run that's got these three big hills surrounding a lake that comes off of the Tennessee River. And it's just another, it's a spectacular, gorgeous run. And I'll be super curious to hear if you guys have had this experience. Um, the shuffle story experience. So humans take random data and they build stories out of it. That's what we do. And that's a great, great, great evolutionary thing for us, except for when you make up stories about elections or things like that. <laughs> but basically, you collect these random data points and you make a story out of it. And I had this experience where shuffle does something and I'm like, oh, look at this. Shuffle is trying to tell me something. Even though shuffle is literally a random thing, choosing songs at random for me. So this is a different experience, but about 10 years ago, I, uh, I had, I don't know, it's like 1500 songs on this mix and Shuffle played me Hurt by Johnny Cash every day for five days driving to work. And I was like, Shuffle is trying to kill me. Shuffle's <laughs> like, dude, you need to end it right now. Your life is a gray living hell. I was like, what is going on here? Why do you hate me, Shuffle? <laughs> this was the opposite. I get out. And, and the, the last run is really in my mind. The last run with that pouring rain. I'm, my first song on shuffle while I'm running, the rain song by Led Zeppelin. Good. Second song, Killer Crane by TV on the radio. Jeff, if you will go to minute 344 of Killer Crane. Third song, Rainbow by Kesha. And wow. these three songs actually tell a story of surviving the rain, seeing a rainbow, watching a killer crane fly away. And by the way, the rain actually happened to me at a bird sanctuary. <laughs> and then the rainbow that comes at the end of it to show you that it's all gonna be all right. Um, this record is just packed with this sort of stuff. It's a really, really thoughtful midlife dealing with death record. Um, it's been beautiful and powerful to me. It's gotten th me through a lot. Killer Crane. Nine Types of Light by TV on the radio. So this life of love and letting go leaves me blue and somehow I find a way to make it through. Like just beautiful, oh. beautiful, beautiful. I love this one. And that, and like, it's one of those songs where that it'll never hear this song and not think of that exact moment of peace and calm and joy for me. Um, and it carries the whole record. That's what I got. Woo. Ben, 
two weeks ago, I texted you and what, what did I tell you? Yeah, you were listening to Dear Science, right? Or which one? I, I put the pod on shuffle and uh, a song from Dear Science came on and it was so good. I canceled the shuffle and just ran the record. And it, it was good me in the pants. It was so good. It was such a great, it was a, such a Ben victory lap. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, that actually probably is their best record. It was great though, because I was I wasn't paying half attention. I'm like, who the hell? This is great. And I saw it was TV on the radio, and I was like, I am Ugh. giving credit where credit is due right now. So, gosh yeah. darn it! Now I gotta get going because I told you my son Patrick, who's just turned 16, was asking me about TV on the radio, and I was like, ah, let me let me check in with your uncle Ben. See, let's check in. <laughs> I can tell you playing. how's the guitar playing going. Uh, it's going good. I haven't brought the guitar to the shop, but he's he's practicing every day. Um, uh, what was he playing the other day? I think he was trying to play a little Coldplay, uh, but he was doing the ACDC. He's learning all sorts of stuff. So, did you see the? Um, I did a little research on your guitar. Yeah, it's How Korean. It was? You bought such a weird, collectible, <laughs> bizarro guitar. Did That's you overpay? That's really strange. Uh, no, I did not overpay because okay. uh, we were going cheap with the first electric guitar, so he can he can prove that he's serious, and then I'll. So I'll I just did I, for you. I did a whole bunch of research on uh, the best guitars under two hundred dollars. So when you're ready, to, okay, uh, um, to spend very 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 little money, okay, I can hook you up with something that'll last him for a while. So. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. All right. So if I'm starting with TV TV on the radio, am I starting in 2011, Ben? No, I'll start with Dear Science. That's the good one. That's 2008. Dear Science? Okay. All right. Um, I am behind. Um, well, you guys did good this week, uh, but but you came up short. And I actually, I both firmly believe in my pick this week and yet am more hesitant to share it with you than in any other podcast that we've done. So that's impossible. That's got for, to be like, impossible. Garth Brooks was like sunshine compared to what I'm about to bring Good right God. now. God. All um, right. I'm going to have to prepare myself. I'm really nervous. I'm getting excited, Timmy. I can't um, wait. This is a, this is a duo who I've, I've been a fan of this duo for a very long time. They, however, are not covering any new ground musically. As a, as a matter of fact, the music itself is just uh, cliched. Um, it, it will remind you a lot of musical theater. Um, but I think their lyrics. And I'm out. Are Good what we're here everybody. for. So you've got a cliched musical theater duo coming at you. But if you're going to tackle the Book of Mormon, with your lyrics. I am ready to listen. I am going with the soundtrack to the Book of Mormon musical 2011. And Jeff, you're gonna hit me with the I Believe song. And I want I Believe starting at 248. The Book of Mormon original cast recording. He just walked right into camp. I believe I that Satan has a hold of you. I believe, I believe that the Lord God has sent me here. And I 
Pause. Have either of you seen the Book of Mormon? You're not going to believe the answer to this? I have. Yeah. At ACT. You did. Was it it good? I hated it. (gasps) And and for the most most shocking reason, either of you, for those of you who know me. You're not a fan of the Book of Mormon. I was offended by its treatment of Mormonism. Can You're you the one that read me. me. Yeah. That's amazing. You and I, I had an actual argument was, about this. I thought it was the the most smug, like broad winking inside joke clowning, even though the Mormon church bought ads in the playbill, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> like the best part of the whole show was page eight was the Mormon church. Like it literally the ad was like, well, kind of, but you should come see it for real. Church of Holy Day Saints. I mean, it was the most unbelievable <laughs> taken on the chin. Um, yeah, I I, uh, I have really uh, unpleasant memory. I was like uncomfortable in my seat at the just like guffawing of the Bay Area around me. And maybe that was it. I just saw it in a theater. But so you crazy. were you were once a guffar. Well, now let's. Our podcast reaches a lot of people. I am not what you would call um, a seeker. I am not a. Right. Uh, I am not a particularly religious person. Right. And and there are some uh, there are some religious beliefs that um, I find um, surprising that people uh, hold on to. And Mormon Mormonism's got a few of them. But as so I this- age, as I age, look. We're, we're taping this podcast in a moment where I'm not sure uh, I can count on any basic belief to unite us as a country. So this is not the week where I'm going to shit on people for deciding to band together and be nice to each other. Let me tell I mean, there are aspects of Mormonism where I'm like, really? Really? Like when you get to the spaceship in the last book, I'm like, really? But has a Mormon ever been anything other than incredibly kind, nice, and uh, polite to me? Nope. So Probably think, not. And well, I think, and I think what, I'll. Uh, I what think about I'll, when the um, when the Osmonds covered superstition? That was really unforgivable. Okay, thank you. Yeah. No, with, I'm not. I'm not aesthetic, aesthetically, have you been to Salt Lake City? I'm going this summer. It's a problematic place aesthetically, but people are unbelievably nice to you when you're there. Ben Barton, did you didn't see this, but India did. India saw it, yeah, but uh, this is my recollection of it. Jeff and I had an argument on Mormonism. Yeah. Uh Jeff was just railing on it. Railing. It's like, I was like, you actually know nothing about this religion. How much, how much have you read of their their, their sacred texts? What, what have you done? Like, besides just like hearing secondhand what it's about. Yeah. But then Jeff went and freaking read the stupid book of Mormon. And he was like, now I've read it. Have you? And I was like, no, I haven't read it. (laughs) I'm not going to read that. (laughs) But anyhow, so Jeff is now an actual authority of this. Yeah. Well, as someone who once taught in Las Vegas, Nevada, which has a- Oh, dude, and I taught Arizona State, totally. Yeah, very big Mormon population. I had students bring me the Book of Mormon and say, I'd really like to give you this as a gift. You know, please read it. And they have a whole speech that they give when they they, uh, present the Book of Mormon to uh, a non-believer. But yeah, some of my best students (laughs) 
were Mormon, no doubt about it. And yet, I think uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, just like they do in South Park, uh, have a really neat way of poking fun at no, I think everything. Exactly that. When I like South Park, I like it so much that it almost yeah. hurts. Yeah. But they're they're a coin flip for me. Like they oh, yeah. go after something and I'm like, I I fucking hate how they're doing this. <laughs> how so dare really, you? And I think that's part of their charm. Like they just they just swing a machete. And sometimes I'm like, <laughs> nice swing. And sometimes I'm like, how could you possibly do that? And so <laughs> for whatever reason, the Book of Mormon was on the flop side of that yeah. for me. But, but no, also, like, Timmy, uh, you did not choose their best song. Well, which one? Jeff, what's their best song? Oh, uh, Uncle Fucker. Uncle Jeff. Fucker is their best song <laughs> by a mile. By a mile. You know why, Timmy? Because I don't yeah. eat or sleep or mow the lawn. I just fuck my uncle all night long. <laughs> um, the other song of now, theirs. Wait, wait. Really... Jeff, Jeff Simons, that was, uh, that was our second date. It Hell was. It yeah. was. Yeah. Oh, you, you, I was like, together. the lights. The light started to go down. And I'm like, oh, wait, this could be a terrible idea. And then the opening song is Uncle Fucker. And I'm like, boy, Robot Lady better really like this song. I remember turning to you five minutes into that movie and being like, this is going to be so much fun. I just, I was just like, this is going to be fantastic. The other song that they wrote from Team America, oh. Police, which is an incredibly bad taste, but is is the most hilarious parody of a musical in one minute is their rewrite of the rent as everyone has AIDS. Yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, it's so awful. Oh, it's so awful. And it's um, But that one, that one hits me. That one hits me like a time. The, I, I will also say the best book about Mormonism is not the Book of Mormon. It's Under the Banner of Heaven by John Krakauer, which yeah. is, I cannot recommend highly enough people if you haven't read it. Um, I think they're making movie. it into a- Totally. Out, it is. Like, into a thing. I Dude, and Jeff Ament did the music. Oh, is that right? Yeah, oh, totally. I can't wait to see that. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm sorry. I I, uh, I don't know why. I, I get, uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm just uh, losing my edge. I, I will tell you that um, I'll just bring this full circle. Book of Mormon came to Greenville, South Carolina, and Helen bought tickets six months out. And then um, it was on Super Bowl Sunday. I'm like, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And then Two weeks out, the Patriots are going. I'm like, honey, I, I can't go to Book of Mormon. The Patriots are playing. So we drove to Greenville. She went to Book of Mormon with some friends. I went to a bar by myself. I watched my Patriots go down 28 to three to the Atlanta Falcons. And then by myself in a Greenville bar, watch my Patriots come back. I, um, is the fact that Brady's about to become a big Fox News spokesperson? Well, that looks like Fox, we're out of time. Fox Sports. What Fox the heck? Sports. It's not Fox News. Gotta go. Uh, that, felt, that felt completely error free. Well done, gentlemen. That is yes, definitely indeed. like an edit free event right there. Huh. Well, We'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to have to listen to it. We said fuck a lot there at the end. I don't know if that's all going to make it. Through listen, fucking trapper. Uh, all right, guys, I'll see you in 2012. We might have to do it before I go to L.A. So um, check out your calendars for Friday and Saturday of this week. All right. OK. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye.
Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electricast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electricast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electricast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electricast.